Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Mr. Everald Reed and Mr. Quincy Reed, and yes, they're related. They are a father-son duo, and uh, both of them will argue about who's the better salesperson on today's show. <laughs> and we, <laughs> but before we get into that fun argument, <laughs> now what we'll do is we'll start off with a couple origin stories. Uh, Everald, how in the world did you get started in this industry we call the automotive industry? <laughs> by fluke, by mistake, because I was looking for a part-time job back in '89 if you can count that far back. <laughs> and uh, wandered from Centennial College doing uh, studying aircraft engineering to uh, into a showroom at Dixie Toyota. And uh, I, I always said they made the mistake of hiring me. I, I think I wasn't quite 19. I turned 19 the month after. So the rest is history. And then what did you do after that? You've you've been you've had a long history in this business since nineteen. Well, what I did after immediately after that, I screwed up a lot. So <laughs> for the first year, uh, made very little money, and then I got smart the next year and tried to figure things out and found a mentor, and then uh, wandered into Aaron Park Toyota, and uh, that was just the year or the year before Lexus was coming to North America. So I got to witness the birth of Lexus as a company in North America and uh, a gentleman there uh, who formed one of the former owners, Paul Pearson, he just recently passed away. He gave me a shot into management at age 23, if you can believe that. So the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> See, look, I actually have to do that again because my mic wasn't on. Look at that. That's all right. <laughs> All right, Quincy, uh, for yourself, how did you get started in the automotive industry? Uh, so it's actually kind of funny because uh, like I've asked my dad a few times before I actually got started, like how he liked it and, you know, like if it would be something he would recommend, you know, right off the bat, he said, no, you're not going to like <laughs> it. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. Da, da, da. Um, so when the time came, I was looking for something full time. I asked him again. I was like, listen, you know. I think sales is is kind of where I want to go. Is there anywhere you could refer me to, et cetera? Um, next week, I was uh, sitting in front of Ed Zella at Burlington Toyota, and I guess the rest is history from there. It's been a year now. That's awesome. And how are you enjoying the Toyota life? So on, honestly, like I like it. Like it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, Burlington Toyota in particular, like it's a good like family environment. So I've had a lot of fun with the guys there. Like. Uh, you know, they kind of took me under their wing, um, but it's been a good adjustment for me. It, it hasn't been too, too bad. I think, I, I think I'm doing all right so far. And guys, for yourself, um, I'd like to start off today's kind of conversation with uh, just kind of what your current norm is. Like, what is what does a normal day look like, Frank? Because for everybody, everything's everything's different. You know, I mean, our, our industry <laughs> yeah. just kind of let him just, go first. Just kind of flipped oh. around. All right, Quincy, let's start with you, man. What, what what's a hey, normal day look like for you? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so like typically, like I know, you know, I'm a younger guy, so maybe you guys would think I'd be sleeping in, but I get up at like nine o'clock every morning, probably like just naturally. 
I mean, I'll get up, make a coffee, have some breakfast, do some push-ups, and then I'll just hop on Call of Duty for a few hours. <laughs> That's all right. I bet you a lot of car sales yeah. guys out there are playing Call of Duty right now hey, or man, Fortnite. That's what we got to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, by, by nine o'clock, I've already done all of that stuff, not Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, he, you're a Fortnite player, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I've, already, I've already worked a couple hours, and um, I come into my office uh, to, to do a lot of writing and concentrating and run my little show from here. Nobody's here to bug me, so there's no social distancing issues because it's just me and the walls. Um, but this is where I get the time to really buckle down and get a lot done and get caught up from all the things that I couldn't have done before, learn more, uh, produce more. Um, just, it's just been busy and I've been able to do a lot. And, and I've met a lot of people online, a lot of webinars, a lot of contribution to shows like your like this one, Jason, and really also, it, I think it was, it's been a fundamental opportunity to learn about how other people think and how other people manage crisis and who your real friends are sometimes. Cause you know, who reached out to you and who didn't and who never got back to you. And also a lot about employer and employee relationship. I think, I think that's a big deal for a lot of people right now is have a lot of these dealerships or employers in general checked in to see how their employees have been doing. I think guys, you know, right now with everyone just being at home, right? They're looking at this time as either being an expense, you know, where it's just, it's costing them a lot of money and they're just kind of sitting around doing nothing, you know, or they're, they're looking at this as an opportunity to invest in themselves and make them that much of a better salesperson. Um, I'd like to hear both your guys' thoughts on that. Quincy, I'll start with you. Sure. So, I mean, I kind of, you know, the first few weeks were nice and, you know, it feels like a vacation almost, but, um, you know, no one wants to be on EI forever, kind of chomping at the bit to get back to work. Um, and with it coming uh, next week, next Monday, we're going back in. Um, I'm excited to see what what may have changed as far as like how how we're going to continue to do business. I know that right now, like we're doing a lot, uh, just the industry in general is is kind of based online now. So I feel like um, it's gonna it's gonna depend even more on on uh, people doing their research themselves to like find what they need. Um, but it's going to also fall a lot more on the shoulders of the salespeople to actually like continue to follow up and, you know, be genuine and try to actually get them into the dealership because, you know, they're not coming into the dealership as it is right now. You know, it's about 1.6 dealership visits, et cetera. I feel like that's going to drop to like probably, you know, one visit maybe. No, so. that's probably really true. I mean, I think when we come out of this, a lot of a lot of customers are going to think like, do I really want to visit multiple locations? And how much of that process can I yeah. do online before I actually have to go into the dealership and actually deal with somebody? You know, you know, Everald, for yourself right now, as a salesperson, you know, like I said, I think salespeople are kind of split down the middle here. You know, they're looking at this as a, as a time just kind of sit around and wait, you know, mm -hmm. or I find that there are salespeople that are actively investing in themselves, you know, through reading books and creating creating content, you know, or even just making new networks and connecting with people or, you know, trying to stay connected to their existing customer database, you know, as a salesperson, you know, what would you say, you know, someone should be doing right now, even though if they're home and laid off? I, I think definitely, you know, finding some way to invest in yourself or improve your skills. And whether that's 
you know, there's so many courses that are free now online, webinars, even Harvard is doing free, offering free courses, right? So you can do them online, uh, so many videos, uh, reading, um, but, but whatever you feel is important to improve your skills uh, and things that you've always wanted to do, but have just haven't had that time to do. And every time you try to do, you'd be coming home from work tired and, you know, the phone would keep ringing. Um, this was the time and this has been the time. So I've seen a lot uh, of variances. I've seen a lot of sales reps that I know um, online daily, steadily posting and doing stuff. I've, I know guys who are studying, who are in transition. And I also know people who haven't really done much. So it all, it, I mean, it's all over the place, but I think what they should, be, you know, what you should be doing is finding a way to reflect and, you know, and as you know, also Jason, I've developed some courses as well that we're also launching online. So there's so much online stuff. There's a huge opportunity to, to learn and to pivot. And now for what do you guys think? I know I'm talking to a lot of sales guys right now. And there are a lot of salespeople out there right now concerned if they even going to have a position to go back to. You know, I want to hear about kind of do either one of you guys have that concern or maybe anybody you do have that concern? And, you know, what advice can you give to people like that? Uh, Quincy, I'll start with you. Do you have any concerns that there will be there won't be a position for you when you go back? Um, no, I don't think that I'm going to be. <laughs> You know, uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of me just yet. Um, as long as I can get back and, you know, continue to be successful and give them a reason to keep me around, I, I don't think it's a, it'll be a problem. That's actually, you know, that's actually a great way to look at it. You know, I think for, for a lot of people, it's like when you're confident about the value that you bring to the position that you're in, you know, it's like it, it's an easy, it's an easy answer, just like you did. It's like, nope, not yeah. worried about it. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm confident. You know, I, I've well, done I think my that's job. that's the first sign, well. right? You got to be confident or else. You're going to shoot yourself in the foot. You're going to give them reason to if you're not confident, exactly. right? That is that is very true. Everyone, for yourself, um, any concerns Actually, or I've talking to anybody? Yeah. I've, I've been he very busy with a lot of the electronic leads coming through even while we were closed. Uh, it, it's actually been nonstop. So I, I sold a few cars while, while we were closed. Now we just have to arrange deliveries. So I've got like five sold. Um, haven't met any of these people. Well, some I know, but <laughs> but a couple of them I've never met. They, they say they have money and they want to buy cars. I say, sure. So <laughs> that's good. What's, what's the problem? <laughs> so um, no. So so we've we I've been busy doing that. I, I I think it's vital that when we got these inquiries, these e leads during the slow time, that you actually engaged and responded to those people. Because now that we're going to slowly start to reopen, this is an opportunity to start with a little bit of a funnel before, you know, rather than from, from scratch. Um, so, you know, you're going in and starting the week off or starting, you know, with a few deals in the bank. I think that's a good feeling. And then you just build on that. No, I think that's a great point. I think a lot of salespeople should be kind of thinking about what it looks like for them to come back in the first few weeks. You know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I spend a tremendous amount of my time as a salesperson prospecting. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it. I really do. I hate to say it. But as an industry, the majority of salespeople I deal with on a daily basis now could not prospect if their life freaking depended on it. 
Yeah. Like it just the, the whole concept is so foreign to them. I'm like, I used to tell them I used to take business cards and walk through mall shopping, uh, uh, shopping parking lots, like, and just literally stick business cards into windows of cars I wanted to take on trade because I knew I could find someone to to buy it. You know, it's like yeah. that's just like. What do you mean? You spend three hours on a Saturday walking through a shopping mall parking lot? I'm like, yeah, that's what I did. Um, but you know, that's I don't know. It's just that 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 whole art of prospecting has kind of been lost. Um, Everold, you know what? You know how, what do you say to you know kind of new people that are getting into the business and they need to understand that prospecting is a big part of what they have to do on a regular basis. Well, absolutely. And it's so much easier to prospect today compared to when we were doing it, right? So it, there's really no excuse. Uh, in in most dealerships, if they're set up half right these days, the prospects are literally flooded in through electronic means. Um, so there's AutoTrader, there's all sorts of chat leads, There's they're coming from service referrals, there's lease renewals, there's lease trans, like there's so many different avenues now prospecting and the one thing I teach a lot is networking um, uh, networking is vital um, you know whether it's whether it be a sports group uh, a Y a Y group or a Chamber of Commerce group all those things are vital and there's so many different networking um, you know avenues now or organizations um, you need to get get into one or two of those and find out where the people are and, and look in the parking lot. They all pulled up in cars and somebody sold it to them. So you just need to be that guy the next time. Hey, for yourself, Quincy, what is, what does prospecting look like for you? Um, I mean, networking again is huge. Um, word of mouth is a really good way to get referrals. So, I mean, if people are aware that, you know, I'm here, try to give a good impression here, translate, to to maybe some more leads for me so well he's been doing some instagram stuff which i thought was good yeah um, posting his deliveries on instagram and then his friends would you know share and comment boost and it a little bit are those yeah, social nice. are social efforts working working out for you i mean i think there's a lot of deal a lot of sales people out there that haven't cracked that code yet when it comes when it comes to social media and being able to prospect and create a network out there, I find personally the reason for that is they focus way too much on the media portion and not yeah. enough on the social portion of social media. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like uh, Mark. I mean, we we've, we we know several people, Jason, who have developed their own personal brand online. So it, it's key, right? That if you can, if you have a phone you can create your own Facebook page or own Instagram page or whatnot and just start posting stuff and start offering some advice or some demos or some pictures or sharing the used cars that came in that you think are nice. And that's prospecting right there because if you put it out for everybody to see, um, people will eventually start expecting it. Well, I think I think it's all about engagement, right? I mean, someone yeah. the other day told me that Twitter's dead, and I just kind of laughed a little bit. And I'm like, you know, I just talked to a salesperson who not only just a few weeks ago, even during all of this, all right, responded to a tweet that someone put out in their local area that it was just simply asking, does anybody know if there's any Ford dealerships open? And he tweeted back, goes, yeah, our Ford dealerships open. Do you need some help with service? And it, they 
turned it into a conversation. And that conversation turned into the fact that this guy may have actually needed to trade in the vehicle, not necessarily dump an additional two grand into transmission work that this truck was going to need, you know, but like, it's like, if I going through a mall parking lot and three hours at best, I might be able to touch a hundred cars, you know, three hours on social media, I could touch a thousand people and have legitimate conversations with them about that. Twitter's a great example. Facebook and Instagram, look, th- th- right now there's a club and a group for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally every every car out there's got a group or a club, you know, going into it. Actually going in there and actually being a part of that conversation is going to be key. Um, I'll get off the social media bandwagon because I know I can get on my, my soapbox a yes, little bit. Yes, it's your favorite. Yelling. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Quincy, we, there you go. We've got you I'm back. back, okay. I'm back. Yeah. Um, but hey, guys, actually, you know what? Before we get into kind of the girth, the main portion of today's conversation, I want to ask the question that everybody is thinking in the back of their heads right now is what is what is it like to live in a house with two very competitive automotive salespeople? <laughs> Quincy, I'm going to ask you the question first. All right. What- well, I mean, I'll be honest, like we're on kind of different ends of the spectrum, right? Like my dad's kind of established already. He's trying to establish something on his own as well. You know, I'm kind of the new guy you know, taking the, the, you know, few weeks off as it is. I mean, I'm still trying to do my best, like with my e-leads and everything and following up on all the clients I have, but man, I just stay out of his way and I just let him do his thing really. So you're telling me that there's, there's no competitive streak in there. No, no. I mean, maybe <laughs> if we worked at the same dealership, we'd be uh, yeah, at okay. each other's <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we all know we all know that that wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Everell, for yourself, what's it like having a son following in kind of your footsteps and getting into the automotive industry? Um. Well, well, I think it it speaks to whether it's what I've done in the industry, what he's seen me do, um, or maybe he just wants to fool around cars. I don't know, but <laughs> but. Um, but he's in a place where I think he has a, uh, you know, the best opportunity to to become the best in in the business. He's, you know, he's with the right team, uh, and, and I've told him several times in the in the entire country uh, of all the dealers I know, especially in Ontario, there are two dealerships I would have referred him to, and that's the best one he's at right now. There's one A and one B, so he's not going to get any better opportunity to. Uh, you know, to learn and to develop as a professional, because uh, he's got the right support and guidance. And um, but I think it's a good thing. And uh, from a competitive nature and whatnot, it's. I think he's he's got the best of both worlds because he's got good role models and he's also got me to to bounce questions off off. And you know, he you know he'll share whether you know when he sold two or three cars in a day, or he sh- he'll share a lot of the stories as as they happen. Now, how how excited are you guys about getting back to work? Like, I'm pretty excited. Right? I'm not gonna lie. I'm, like, pretty, I'm yeah. pretty bored. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I am too. You know, I'm kind of excited to actually put shoes back on. And uh, <laughs> even though it was fun for the first week, I'm not gonna lie. Like that was actually yeah. fun. Like going totally like not wearing shoes for a week straight was awesome. But now I'm yeah. kind of getting yeah. to the point where it's like I want to get back. Yeah. Like I want to hit the road. I want to. I want to talk to people. I want to. You know. Like I. I, I keep thinking to myself. Oh, I wanted to say. Like I want to shake hands. But that's the truth of the matter. That's probably not going to happen. That's not going to. You know. For like like yeah. the, we're going to get back, and it, we're not going to get like. Anybody out there that thinks that we're just going to go back to business as normal? Like that's not the case. No, I mean. I mean, I stopped into our dealership briefly today, and there's all sorts of policies, and you know, being 
and 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 procedures or whatnot being put in place because there's just had we just have to be careful because the last thing we need is to have a relapse. Oh no, hundred percent. I mean, I think that look, we went through the recession, Everald. You know, we remember that, right? It was, but it was yeah. it was an economics recession. You know, when people were buying cars, their question was, you know, what happens if I lose my job? You know, that's yes. the kind of questions they were asking. You know, now they're asking like. Is it safe for me to come into your dealership? Like that's yeah. an inti- like I would have yeah, I would have crazy. never expected. I'm running campaigns right now. Like you know, people are like dealerships are spending ad dollars just to make sure that people know that they're open. Like I never okay. thought in my wildest dream I'd be I'd be running ads just to let people know that we're open. But you know, this is just kind of the different time frames. And to your point, also, Everald, we're running ads to explain the process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people are more concerned right now about the process than they are necessarily about the offers or incentives. And, yeah, you know, I important. think there's some dealerships are doing a good job of it. And then a lot of dealerships have kind of, kind of done a piss poor job of really, truly explaining. Like you go to their website and their website looks the same as it did before this. Before. Happened, yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just like, or they were weeks late. Yeah, exactly. Right. They were just, they were just weeks late to the show. But I yeah. think for, as a sales, as salespeople, you know, we're going to come back and the consumers change. The consumer is going to fundamentally yes. change. I mean, the way that we have trained and received training, you know, over the years on the sales side has been so much about being in front of someone, being able to read that their body language and understanding that 80% of what they say doesn't come out in physical words, but comes out what they're saying, you know, through their body of either leaning back or leaning in or crossing their arms or no eye contact, all of these things. And that's not going to happen. You know, so it's like the consumers change. They're not going to necessarily want to be in the dealership as much. And from from a training perspective, we're going to have to learn how to do that. I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts and opinions as far as what you think the you know when we get back to it, what the first couple months is going to look like or what that new norm is going to look like. Everald, I'll start with you, and then Quincy, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, Everald, what do you think the new norm is going to look like, man? Well. Um... <laughs> You're asking a question that I literally posted an article on on Sunday. Well, then uh, it's good timing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. If I remember what I wrote, but um, it, it's about dealerships needing to pivot, and um, you know, th- fundamentally, if if they don't, the ones that do or the ones that adapt quicker are going to take the cake. So I I I, I, I stressed on you know, organizations, dealerships really investing in their people, uh, not just to say, okay, well, here's new procedures to protect us from, you know, each other from a health perspective, but show some real empathy. Like, you know, how, how did you manage? How were things? How, how is the family? And it can't be just business as usual. It really can't because, you know, dealerships and, and some dealer principles are really set in their ways and there's nothing on earth that changes how changes their philosophy. So philosophies have to change on how we, we move forward because if it's a business as usual approach, um, other dealers that adapt will will, you know, get most of the deals. And consumers also want to feel that we have we they want to feel special they want to feel that they're being treated you know with the concern of what's what they've experienced what we've all all experienced and how we're going to make their lives better and what we're doing to improve their circumstances and to deliver really a better you know experience i think i think you're 100 right there everald i mean it's 
the consumer is the one that's going to have to be in the driver's seat moving forward. I mean, look, yeah. as, as an industry, we've trained for years about the importance of getting the customer in the door. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, Quincy, you just went through training as a new salesperson. I mean, wasn't yeah. a lot of the conversation about how, like, word tracks and things you should say and, and to build the value so that they come into your dealership because that's where the actual sell and the transaction and the relationship happens. And I think that's going to be a fundamental shift. Like, I think we're going to have to do majority of the transaction and majority of that relationship development. Now, how the customer wants, not necessarily how we want. We want the customer inside the dealership. And there may, now, don't get me wrong. There's probably still customers out there that are going to want to come into the dealership and create that relationship and do that transaction. But I think for a lot of people out there, that's not going to be the case. Um, Quincy, what's your kind of thoughts and opinions as far as what that new norm is going to look like once the government says we can pop our heads out of our golfer holes holes and start exploring a little bit more yeah i mean like i think again like um just because people have so much access to information online now like it's going to be even harder for us to get people in like you said but it, it's going to put uh, a little stress on the salespeople to actually try to like go that extra mile to, to earn their business right like i mean maybe you'll get a lead and and you know that person's really interested in getting a vehicle but the person at the other dealership brought the car to them to see it because you know they're at home and they're quarantined like I mean, there's stuff like that that uh, I think salespeople are going to have to go a little farther to to help out a little more to to earn business, um, but to build relationships as well to try to maybe get some more business. I think I think you're 100 right. I think we're just going to have to dig a, a little deeper than what we have in the past. Um, you know, Everald, You know, for for the salespeople out there that are listening and watching, and they kind of need to maybe mentally prepare themselves for this fundamentally different way to connect with someone instead of being face to face. What kind of uh, maybe best practices or tips and advice you can give them for connecting with someone virtually before they come into the dealership? Well, definitely don't ignore the the leads, uh, first of all, and respond to them in a very timely manner and take them to a certain point uh, on the electronic chat, but then pivot over to a call or to an email because you can only do so much and spend so much time going back and forth in a text. Um, and once you get to a certain point, definitely get a phone number uh, or an email that you can send more details and then proceed to to connect uh, with an appointment because they said, you know, inevitably this business is going to be progressively by appointments, especially for the foreseeable future. You know, you can't be crowding up the showroom, so it's going to be appointment based a lot. So salespeople are going to have to learn how to turn those e-leads into appointments. Um, and whether that's an appointment you take in the vehicle, uh, to the workplace on the lunchtime or to home in the evening when the family's there or the, or the, or the client come in your way. So I, I guess one of the summaries that I put in my, in my write-up was to be, be a part of the solution, be, be a part of the solution and create and adapt into, to the change now to become better in the marketplace as we transition through the rest of this year. No, I, I, that's a great point. I mean, it's like, how can we kind of, you know, you know, better those efforts? I mean, look, Everett, me and you know this. Now, now, Quincy, I'd like to get your thoughts on this too, but, you know, internet leads for the most part has been treated as like third-class citizens yeah. in our industry, mm -hmm. right? We're like, oh God, 
fuck, here comes another internet lead. You know, this is going to take me three weeks, and they're going to want me to answer 15 freaking questions before they want to come into the dealership. No, no, but seriously, though, I mean, is it like that's, that's not everybody. I mean, there are some great salespeople. I mean, Everett, I know that you're one of them as well. That's like you, you treat an internet lead equally as you would treat a phone call or a walk-in, you know, but there, as an industry, a lot of us have it you know um quincy i want to kind of find your kind of thoughts and opinions you know as far as like handling you know internet leads versus phone calls and you know or walk-ins and you know which one do you prefer um i mean the e-leads are great like it's a it's it's a different source for people to to inquire and it's it's easy for them but at the same time like they're not just inquiring to one dealership right like you know they're trying to to look and see what they can get elsewhere as well. So like I try to treat all the the leads equally, especially the elite ones, because like those are those are people that are sitting at home looking at their phone thinking, okay, like I'm interested in this. They're gonna put the lead through. If you just let it sit there, they're just gonna put it through somewhere else. The other dealership's gonna answer it. They're gonna end up going there instead. And it's like a matter of like maybe like five to ten minutes that you miss the the deal from, right? Like it's also important what you put in those inquiries. So if you're just straight up answering the question, okay, you know, the e-lead says, well, give me your best price on this, or can I get a quote on this? And all you do is respond and build a quote and respond. You're going to be kind of dead in the water. Um, as a professional sales rep, you have to be the one guiding that conversation. They may make that inquiry and start off the conversation that way, but it doesn't mean that's the way it has to be has to continue. So you can ask some questions, you know, what package have you been here before? Have, you know, why are, have you chosen this package? Are you familiar with the loyalty incentives? Are you familiar with leasing if they're asked about financing? So you can start pivoting the questions and get in the engagement and building a relationship with the client, letting them know that you're the authority in this place. You're not just there to give out quotes. You mm -hmm. know, you're, you're an expert in the, in the, in the field and you're going to ask some logical questions to build the relation, to start building the relationship. And when you engage at a different level, then even if they ask five other dealers, but you're engaging from a different perspective with asking valuable questions and engaging questions, they will start to realize that this guy's a bit different from these others. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's all about building that relationship online now. Yeah, like, I mean, that's really what we're having to do. Like, it's like, you know, uh, look, in the past, we've been able to build enough value in answering those questions and engaging back and forth to get them to the point where they want to come into the store. Now it's like, now we need to build that value so they feel comfortable engaging with us online before they, before they come into the store. And kind of what's that communication efforts looking, look, look like going forward? I mean, I know for a lot of dealership, you know, video is going to be a... Which, which I'm, which I have to take a moment and say how much I love because I, mean, I think you guys yes. both know I kind of yes, have. I, see, I, I have you're a in my, for this. You're in my face every time I open Instagram. <laughs> like I, I like this I little thing called video. Like it's just video. so novel. It's just yeah. great, right? You know. Yeah. But like I mean, as an industry, I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to communicate this way because that's how we can build attention. I've talked to a lot of salespeople, and the ones that are like using these devices right now and communicating online, like. They're like, like, they're finding that they're able to create a relationship and make a connection 
faster because yeah. the level of hyper attention they the consumer has it's like you're you're live chatting with them it's like it's instantaneous you're totally separating yourself as an as a salesperson mm -hmm. just you're saying to you, your potential clients i'm not just versed in the sale or of my product but i'm versed in developing my own brand you know in offering content in offering ideas in in shooting videos and you're you're saying to them as one of the other points i put in my my write-up is that you are ready to shift and to do business on the level that they want to do business because for example i've had one client who's bought several car cars from me she works in a restaurant so her mode of communication is definitely not the phone and it's definitely not a long email. It's simply the text. So I've been able to sell her three cars literally just via text. Driver's license, credit card information, insurance, everything via the phone. No emails, no phone calls because you have, you know, she's busy. She's a busy server in this restaurant. She runs this restaurant. So she's always all over the place. Restaurateurs don't have time to to take phone calls and sit down and type emails, right? It, well, maybe maybe in the not too distant for a while they might because you know of the <laughs> limited limited amount of people in restaurants. But the, the the point is, you have to identify the level of which the client likes to communicate, and if that's email, if that's text, okay, you take it to as far as you can go that it makes sense, and then you say okay let's call let's book an appointment you know get them on the phone or get them in in person but you got to give them some of what they want first quincy i'm actually curious have, have you have you created any any connections relationships uh over social media as far as like uh, prospects. The business or yep. prospects yeah i mean like i've had a couple deals just from like posts that i put out and then it's like oh you know uh, really like this car, but my friend's actually really interested in this and like needs this or is looking for their first car. And like, it kind of just like, I don't know, popcorns from there. Um, but it's good to be out there so people can see it in the first place or like, I'll reach out to them. You know, someone puts a story looking for vehicle, you know, anyone know of any good car dealerships in the area? It's always good to reach out to them as well, but it, it's helped me for sure. And those those social efforts, like, have you found that like connecting with them socially is a bit faster than you know having to go through a phone call or you know having to go through an email line of communication? Yeah, definitely, and it's like a different type of communication as well, right? It doesn't have to be as formal on on like an Instagram DM as it is in like a you know a well written email. I mean, but if that's the level that they chose to reach out to me, like you can just meet them there and, and it, it works a little better and makes it more comfortable for them as well that they don't have to be so like, um, I don't know, like, like um, uptight the whole time during the conversation, right? Well, you know, actually, I think that's a really good point. You know, yeah. I don't know why in our industry that we feel like our emails are a formal line of communication. <laughs> like, when did that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, I remember, you know, most of my emails, even today, well, even when I first started writing emails, were one or two sentences, and they're still like that today, you know, but it seems like we, in our emails, we have to be this person, but then if someone DMs me on LinkedIn, I have to be that person, or if someone yeah, DMs yeah. me on Instagram, I have to be this person, and I'm not 100% sure that we have to do that. I mean, I think that we can have a ca casual type conversation like Quincy, you did on that Instagram DM. I think we can do the same thing in our emails. I mean, I think people at the end of the day just want to connect with people. 
And if we're yeah, just yeah. being ourselves in those communications, that's that's what they're going to connect to. I mean, I can't tell you how much I hate templates and <laughs> autoresponders. I mean, if I could, I'd just burn them all down. Like, it's just <laughs> like as a consumer, I mean, think of this. Who wants to actually be sent an autoresponder? Do you guys have ever received an autoresponder that you enjoyed? You're like, oh, snap. Oh, damn. That was a good autorespond. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you know, never. Can, can we just like, I mean, I, I think right now it's like, and the reason guys we're bringing this up is because it's like we're going into, I think, what's called this over communication age. Like, we're going to have to over communicate the crap out of everything, you know, but we're going to have to do it in a way that's very person to person, human to human type level. Like we're, we're having to make these connections virtually before, before we were able to make them actually in person. And I think the key element to doing that is just talking and just being ourselves, no matter what, you know, what form of communication we're, we're using. I'd like to kind of get both your kind of thoughts on that, you know, of, you know, do you guys feel like we should have different styles of communication with each of these sources? Or do you guys feel like you should just kind of be yourself on all of them? Everett, I'll start with you. And then Quincy, I'll ask you the same. No, definitely you have to adjust your communication style with the different platforms. You know, when you look at email, it's because it was the first thing that we had. You know, when it first started, it would take three hours for one email to get sent with dial-up. Then, and um, and for decades, you know, for a couple of decades, it was the, really the only electronic message in delivery. And then all of a sudden we had everything else come up in the last 10 years, you know, maybe 15, but really the last 10 years, uh, you know, is everything just blossom. So we have so many options now. And um, most of us are on, some of us are on the main ones, but some people are not on any or just one or two. So if you're a salesperson in a dealership and you're, you don't have an Instagram account or you, you don't have a Facebook account or a LinkedIn account. And what are, what other one, Quincy, is is popular now? Uh, Twitter. TikTok, but I don't really think that would be. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Sorry, but, but let's one? say the say first that, say three. That, say that name one more time. I didn't hear it. What was it? TikTok. <laughs> but that's for like oh, a younger generation. But it's, I mean, it's another well, I know a lot of sales yeah. guys right now on there that are doing TikToks. I mean, yeah. I got to be honest with you. A TikTok of a car. Like, I think music and the car industry go hand in hand with each other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, how many music videos have you seen with cars in them? I mean, it it, ha it them. happens all the time. The best right? ones, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you're gonna watch a country music video. Guess what? You're gonna see a pickup truck in there. Just gonna yeah. let you know, right? <laughs> you know, if you're gonna watch a hip hop video, there's gonna be, you know, there there's there's going to be, you know, a luxury car of some kind in there. You some know, kind. like it, it's just, it's just. I think the car industry and actually TikTok actually do have something. I just don't think anybody's necessarily cracked the code yet. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that there is opportunity out there for sure in our industry and with TikTok. Anyways, I get off that soapbox. I could do a whole podcast just on that. Just on, <laughs> just on TikTok. Um, I know, right, guys? Anyways, I look. I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time today um but before we go I, I get to ask you guys both my favorite question and i gave you a little heads up before we started recording here so it better be a good answer i'm just kidding oh my goodness i'm gonna put you in the spot <laughs> now right like like really bring the heat no i'm just kidding <laughs> um hey guys uh my favorite question of the day what is pissing you off so everald i'll start with you what okay, is pissing as it everald relates off? to the automotive space that we're in what absolutely drives me crazy are managers and owners that haven't yet figured out that it's the 21st century and have made no attempt 
to adjust their thinking and how we do business. They still want to see trades. They still don't understand that, you know, you have to give numbers over via e-leads and over the phone and via internet. And clients are only going to come in to see you and to have their vehicle appraised when it's necessary. And you're going to have one or two opportunities at best, and that's it. So, so that annoys me. And what also annoys me about the, the automotive space, which I hope and pray this, this little lull that we've had really talks some sense into some dealers and, and, and managers is you have to treat people. You have to treat your team better. They're, they're not numbers. And you have to offer to invest more in training and invest more in people. Um, and I only have to make one reference. Uh, Richard Branson has over 350 companies with, with managers that manage each, thousands and thousands of employees. And the reason why he's highly successful is because he's, he treats his people well. He gives them the autonomy to make mistakes. Mistakes do happen, but you, as long as you learn from them and without micromanaging, but you're treating people with respect. Because we're in the automotive space, salespeople are required to do so much. There's so much load that they can they carry sometimes, but they don't get the respect and they're expected to do to produce so much. So I think I hope I hope that changes. I, I agree with you. And actually I think it will. I think there's a lot of changes that will actually be coming. And I, I actually think that moving forward, you know, as a salesperson you know, I think what we're going to see is I think the cream's going to the cream's going to rise. Do you know, you know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think I think there's a lot of dealerships that have been operating with what they call warm bodies, <laughs> and uh, from a customer's perspective, it's not enough to have a warm body at your business. No, and I, I think everyone out there, you know, is going to have to step up and be a sales professional. And I think from a manager's perspective, we're going to have to put a tremendous amount more weight on our team's ability to connect with people than we've ever have in the past, which is just going to require just a fundamental mind shift. It's not, it's not enough just to have warm bodies. Like we got to have professionals. Quincy. All right. You're up, man. What is pissing Quincy Reed off? Well, um, if I'm being honest, before you know everything got shut down, I was like two months into the gym, put another 15 pounds of muscle on. I was excited. You know, it's been a while since I was in that shape again. And then, boom, gyms are closed. Lost all the muscle mass. It's gonna take me a while to get it all back. But also, the barbers are closed, so now I gotta <laughs> go back to work on Monday. <laughs> That's true, man. And I haven't had a haircut in two months. So, I mean, I don't know. You're not gonna give you're not gonna, gonna give yourself a haircut. I don't. I don't trust. Well, he cut my hair last weekend. Or <laughs> that's easy though. That's just one level, you know. Like, oh, I, that's I how mine was. Uh... One level. I actually took a chunk of my hair out in the back. Like, I'm serious. I got a oh, two inch no. patch in the back that's oh, just no. just straight skin. So uh, <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> like, like, like. At least, at least, Everald, your son was willing to give you a haircut. Like I tried to do it myself, I messed it all up. <laughs> well, I had to be on a, I had to be on another show, and I'm like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. It's, it's, it's mostly white when it grows. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think the other thing, guys, is like since you know the two of you guys being father son, I mean, there is one. De there's definitely some silver linings that's going on right now. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for myself, right? I mean, I. I've had a lot more time to kind of connect with my kids and kind of connect with my family. Uh, so I will say that, that that has been a really cool thing. And I've been very, 
very blessed in being able to do that. Oh, Quincy's been busy playing. What's that game called? Call of Fortnite. Duty. Okay. Okay. No, Call of Duty. My on, bad. Sorry. On, Sorry. Guys, my bad. My bad. I'm not going to keep messing with him. I know. I'm just picking on you, dude. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. <laughs> hey, guys. For everyone out there watching, listening right now, I would love to connect with you, fine gentlemen, and kind of follow along with your journey. What is the best way to do so? Everald, I'll start with you. Well, definitely LinkedIn first. There's the my Everald Read page, and then there's the Read Method page. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well, readmethod.com. Awesome. Hey, for yourself, Quincy, what is the best way to connect with you, sir? Uh, I'm at QR sales on Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn as well. It's just uh, Quincy Reed. Cool. Hey guys, thanks again for uh, taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Well, cool. Thank you, Jason. Thanks guys. Have a good one. I'll see you later. Okay. Thanks cool. you too. Take care. Take care.